Hi, this is Ned Siegfried from Siegfried & Jensen. As proud sponsors of BeliefCast, we hope you are inspired by Todd's weekly podcasts, which contain so many courageous stories of recovery and personal growth. Remember, it's not what happened in the past that matters, it's what happens in the future. We invite you all to work hard and be optimistic about your future. Enjoy today's podcast. We are back. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you once again for tuning in. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Veracity Networks, and my good friend, Drew Peterson. Thank you for supporting me and believing in me. I also would like to thank all of you listeners for tuning in week after week. We just hit 130,000 downloads. We are cranking. We're, we're trending on Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts, and it's because of you and then also because of these amazing guests. And today's no different. Today, we're joined by uh, a, a good friend of mine, I'd like to say, because we, we met a little while back and I was on his podcast, but uh, we're joined today by Rob Kowalski. Got it. I said it. Yes, I did it right. Yes. He's got an awesome name, but he's also, more importantly, he's an amazing individual. Rob, thank you for joining us today. Man, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me on, Todd. You betcha. A little background on Rob. Rob is a reformed bad boy, now Jesus lover. And you'll find out here shortly what that's all about. He's a sex and abstinence expert. He's an author, podcaster, speaker, coach. He has millions of views on YouTube. He's the creator of City Fam, a global community doing life together. He was raised by a 15-year-old mother. His childhood was one of poverty and lack, and he had no strong male role model in the picture. And so um, he taught himself how to be a man and eventually became the most sought-after male stripper in his hometown of Baltimore. True and story. That is a, I can't wait to hear more about that. At 25, he became a nightclub promoter and took over the nightlife in, in Charm City. His life looked like something out of a movie full of sex, drugs, and alcohol. And he was the man in charge, life of the party, but he was empty and lost. He had uh, severe addictions. And then something radically happened that changed his life forever. Um, he, Like I said, he's now a Jesus lover. He's a very spiritual man. And you guys are going to love his story. And I'm so honored to have Rob on today. So again, thanks Rob for your willingness to share your story with my listeners. Oh man, I'm so happy to return the favor. You know, you came on my show and just really inspired people. You made me cry a couple times. <laughs> so I don't know that I'm going to do that, but I'm, I'm very happy to be here and talk. Yeah. Share. Well, thank you. Well, why don't we start? What was it like being raised by a 15 year old mother? Talk about that and what that life was like growing up. Yeah. Um, I didn't know it to be abnormal, I guess, because, you know, it was what I knew. My, my grandmother actually raised me till I was like four or five and my mom got custody of me when, um, she had gotten remarried. Okay. But so I remember I went down to Florida with her when I was like four or five. And up until then, my grandmother was, she was a Christian and okay. I, you know, I must've been an evangelist from a young age. Cause I can remember at like five years old telling kids that I had eight crown, uh, eight stars in my crown in heaven. Cause I had prayed the sinner's prayer with eight other little kids. <laughs> so when I, I get to Florida and my mom is not really doing it. She's not going to church. She's not really has any relationship with God at all. And everything just kind of went out the window and, and her and my stepdad split up not long after. I remember like, you know, I went to a couple different schools. We moved around and, and I remember uh, they found me crying in the bathroom. I used to go in the bathroom and cry because I didn't want people to see me crying. 
So I must have been traumatized in some way. Right. I mean, I was, I was like six years old when this was happening. Um, and, you know, like I, I remember one time when I was about seven, because we moved from Florida when I was eight. I remember one time when I was about seven, my mom picking me up at Boys Club and she said, there's some people at the house and they're going to ask you some questions. If they ask you if I leave you alone a lot, tell them no. And it was Child Protective Services. Somebody had called. Oh, really? Yeah, because I, wow. she left me by myself all the time because she, you know, she was only 15 years older than me. So she's here. I'm, I'm six, you know, seven years old, and she's 24, and she's got an eighth grade right. education. So she's working all the time, you know, just trying to pay the bills. And um, you know, the environment wasn't stable. It was fairly sexual. I remember people having sex in the same room as I, I as me, really? as like you know, at a young age. I didn't know what they were doing, but now looking right. back, I do. Wow. And um, so, you know, and, and she did, you know, she didn't have a ton of boyfriends, but she, you know, had different boyfriends and I'd yeah. hear them having sex in the next room. And so and I didn't know any of this to be abnormal at all, honestly. But when I was about when I hit puberty, man, was I girl crazy. You know, like I, my dream became to be a male stripper from the age of 15 years old. That was what I wanted to do when I really? grew up. As, as I saw a videotape, my mom had rented of some, some Chippendales or something. And I was like, wow, what better job can there be than to have women stick money in your pants? I was like, that's gotta be the best <laughs> job in the world. Right. So I was like, that's what I want to do. And from the time I was 15, that's what I wanted to do. And I started having sex when I was 16 and then started working out hard. And, and when I was 19, I started stripping for every entertainment agency in Baltimore eventually. And I was like the guy I was, I was in the phone book. I was the, you know, the number one guy at all the agencies doing I probably did about 2000 shows over the course of about, I think eight years is how long I stripped. And I used to do a lot of private parties, bachelorette, birthday parties, all women never did any of the gay stuff. And not that there's any, you know, not judging right. those people, but sure. that was, but, uh, I did, I did dance with a group that traveled around like a tri-state area and did a couple shows with them a week. And, uh, you know, I was making, it felt like a lot of money. It was probably really only 50 or $60,000 a year, but it was cash. Straight was, cash. It was yeah. cash. And I was from, you know, poor, I was poor growing up. So it felt like I was balling. I was having tons of sex, tons of women, you know, like very popular. But I was also getting, you know, I started, I always tell people the consequences where I was getting in these relationships with women and they were always terrible. Like it, usually what would happen is we would have sex quickly, whatever girl it was. And, and the moment I ejaculated, I would lose interest. Like literally the moment I ejaculated. But what would happen sometimes is we would continue sleeping together and I would drift into a relationship with this girl, but it would never, it would never be that good. And I would always right. be looking over my shoulder, wondering if I could be happier with the next one. Eventually I'm looking at pornography, trying to fill some void that I was feeling. Sometimes yeah. I'm cheating. And then, you know, this happened to me a couple of times. And then I started to wonder if, if it wasn't me, like, I mean, must, something must be wrong with me. Why can't I fall in love? Like maybe human beings aren't supposed to be monogamous. I had all these, these theories of why yeah. I couldn't fall in love. And it was only after I met Jesus, which was when I was 27 years old, I got baptized in the Holy spirit out of the blue road to Damascus experience um, that I, I, you know, committed to becoming, you know, to following him. I did not understand the concept of waiting whatsoever to me it was like if a girl told me she wanted to wait prior to that i thought she was manipulating me trying to get me into a relationship right. so so i didn't get it but i decided i would wait one because i wanted to be obedient to god but two because i thought that god would give me a wife if i didn't sin you know like i thought he would yeah. introduce me to a, like the love of my life and i'd finally be able to find love 
So I stopped having sex and I, I didn't think it was going to be long. Honestly, I thought it was going to be like a month or two. And it turned into six years of abstinence. And during that time, I really started to understand sex in a way that I'd never had before. Wow. You know, uh, you don't hear this very often where, where someone at age 15 wants to be a male stripper, right? You don't, I mean, that's not very common, but again, like you said, that was the way you were raised. You saw certain things and you know, as a kid, you're like, well, this is kind of all I know. And so that's kind of the path you took. Was there anyone in your life, even back then though, that was maybe saying, Hey, Rob, you're going down the wrong path, or you maybe shouldn't be doing this. Did anyone ever like try to maybe steer you in a different direction? So my uncle was a Christian. Uh, he, he is. He's a very strong Christian. Great, great man. He put me in Christian schools a couple of years in fifth grade, uh, eighth, ninth, and half a tenth. I went to Christian schools. I got kicked out of like three Christian schools. I, I think I got expelled from. Eventually, I got expelled from twelfth grade from my public high school. I was, but you know, but he wasn't around a whole lot either. He he worked a couple jobs. And he tried to set an example for me, but it, it just wasn't there at home. So yeah. it didn't stick. And, um, and, and, you know, I think I was looking back, I was insecure, you know, like, I think the reason that I wanted to strip was I wanted to be good with girls to validate myself as being a man because mm -hmm. my dad wasn't there to tell me that I was a man. No one taught me how to be a man. I watched television and movies. And if you uh, watch television and movies, you think getting a lot of girls makes you a man. So, yeah. I, that, you know, that's what I was, and we were poor and we moved around. There was a lot of insecurity there. So I think that, you know, stripping really validated me. And, and when I heard God's voice for the first time, it was super difficult to walk away from it because it was my whole identity as for persona sure. that I had created for myself of being the life of the party and the guy that's good with girls. And, and it was my income and everything. And I yeah. and got, Jesus said, Nope, you're going this way now. Well, I didn't have to, but it was like being red pill. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like that instant gratification. I mean, there you had it. It's this constant. And so you get used to having that. And it's interesting. You said, you know, as you were saying this, I was, I, I thought of when I was younger, when I was watching movies, I would see when like someone was having a hard day, they would go grab a drink. Mm -hmm. And so as a kid, I just thought, oh, that's, that's when you're having a hard time. What do you do? You sit down and you have a drink of alcohol, right? And it was interesting how that played in my own life growing up. So it's, it's amazing how, when, how media can truly influence us in that way. Right. hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you also, you know, you're caught up in addictions as well. Was it, was it substance abuse and things like that? Or was it mainly sex or was it other things? No, I was addicted to everything. I mean, so when I was stripping for the most part, I was just drinking. I mean, I think I tried cocaine in my early twenties. But for the most part, it was just alcohol. But in my mid-20s, me and my first girlfriend broke up. I got out of a five-year relationship. And at that point, I just started promoting. And then it was like I was already popular. And now I became really popular. So it was like I was making more money than I was making before. And then I mean, there was just more women. And, and then the drug scene got out of control. I started taking ecstasy, and it led to everything else. So I partied pretty hard for about a year and a half. And right up until, and the, the crazy thing was, is like, I knew it was getting out of control and I didn't know how to stop it because, it, you know, I was so far into the lifestyle. Like it was my job to be in the clubs. Right. Somebody, sure. Yeah. One of the clubs I promoted closed at 5 a.m. So, you know, everybody's high. Um, right. So when I met God, I, I, I didn't do a drug again for eight years after I, I met Jesus. 
I didn't have sex for six years. I mean, but it was not easy. It was like, it was sure. completely detoxing from all that. Man. It was super difficult, but I mean, exactly what I needed, you know? Yeah. Were you growing up? Did you struggle with like depression or anxiety or things like that as, as a younger kid or, or did you not notice those kind of things? I, I'm just curious of what maybe yeah. other struggles you might've had besides the ones you've mentioned. I don't remember struggling with depression um, when I was young. I think a lot of the things I did were to fit in. I remember going to a party and uh, going into my mom's liquor cabinet and putting liquor on like cologne. Like I literally <laughs> put it on with my body like cologne because I wanted to smell like alcohol when I walked in so people would think I was cool. Oh, you know, wow. like so like, oh, wow, yeah. he drinks. Um, but no, I don't remember. The crazy thing is I had a lot of depression after I met Jesus. Because life I was so foreign to me, the whole lifestyle of like yeah. Christian life where, you know, I'm not having sex or I have no girl. Like I've had very long periods of abstinence of, of not all having that sex. All that gratification's yeah. gone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Detoxing from all that stuff and not yeah. being able to numb yourself with sex or, or drugs or alcohol. And, yeah. um, you know, and you just got to feel the pain. And it, and, and it was sometimes very depressing. But I was so, you know, initially I was so committed. To, to being the best Christian ever that I was like, it just wasn't an option. Eventually I did backslide. And I think, you know, I believe God set me up because I was a self-righteous jerk uh, before then. But after I, you know, backslid and rededicated, I realized, Oh yeah, you can actually be a Christian and, and, and sin, <laughs> you know, like, right. Right. I, didn't, I, <laughs> I knew all the verses of why I was, why you were going to hell if you were sinning, if you were you know, like, <laughs> right. I, I had them all memorized and I tell them to you too. But, yeah. um, but <laughs> after it happened to me, I was like, oh, I yeah. be quiet now. Well, you mentioned it already a few times, but I want to talk about what, what was this life-changing encounter with Jesus? I mean, here you are for lack of a better term, running and gunning with everything you were doing, yeah, going hard in that direction. And so what, what was it? Do, do you mind sharing that? I'm sure it's a sacred moment for you, but would you mind sharing what happened? Yeah, I can share some of it. I mean, some of it, it gets too weird and it's too unbelievable that I think people don't, they wouldn't okay. understand, but I was in Cancun, Mexico. I, um, it was my first night there. We partied like rock stars the night before, literally was out of the club doing drugs, taking ecstasy, whatever. And had, there was about 15 of us from Baltimore that were there. Girls on the bars, pulling out their titties, kissing each other, putting on a show for everybody. This is how I lived. Back in the, the my hotel room, all these guys, Jack full steroids, walking around, two naked girls in the bathtub, like right. people from all, all over the country that we had known met there, like people from Chicago. And my room was just packed with people. And I said, I'm going to go to the, the pool because I want to sleep. I want to I want to feel good tomorrow. Right. Yeah. And uh, I left and I went to the pool and I laid down on a, on a chair and I woke up seven hours later or however long it was. And I walked up to my hotel room and I heard God's voice for the first time. That's exactly how it happened. I looked at my girlfriend laying in bed and God started communicating. I didn't hear an audible voice, but I heard a voice. Basically, here's how it started. As I looked at my girlfriend laying in bed and I, I must have asked myself this question a thousand times before and I didn't realize I was doing it until this day. But I looked at my girlfriend laying in bed and I heard, are you in love? And I would always answer myself the exact same way. And I would be like, oh, one day you'll grow to love her or blah, blah, blah. It was all this bullshit. And I would let myself yeah. off the hook. Yeah. This day I heard no. And I thought, what the F? Where did that come from? Yeah, right. right. I never answered myself that way. I thought, where did that come from? 
Yeah. And God, I didn't know it was God at the time, but I had this, I want to say epiphany of, mm-hmm. I didn't even believe in love up until this point, Todd. I didn't believe love existed. I was vocal about it. I didn't want to be married. I wanted to be like a George Clooney and be, you know, be a bachelor <laughs> forever. But I, this girl's name popped in my head. Her name was Dina. She lived in California. And it was like, when it did, it was like a key in a lock. That's all I can explain. It was like the only answer that made sense. Mm. I sat down on the bed. I cried while my girlfriend was sleeping because I knew that we were done. And, I, and you know, after that, God sent me some signs about this girl. I don't even want to go down the path with the girl. But what happened okay. to me over the next couple of days is God yeah. started to communicate with me. The Holy okay. Spirit came over me. He was telling me to trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me, follow me. And uh, sent me all these different signs in the physical world, like literally it wasn't just like signs, you know, like he wasn't just speaking to me things in my spirit. I was right. seeing signs in the world, things that he had left. My stripper name was Christian. Didn't pick it. Somebody gave me that name. I lived at 111 Bliss Lane. Like it was these numbers that he kept confirming to me. It was the numbers were 369. Um, mm-hmm. The number 22 he used a couple, several times actually. But he was, he kept sending me these signs. I literally had a flyer. This is one of many stories I could tell you. I did a party on Sunday nights at a, at a club in Baltimore and we, we threw one party. It was on Martin Luther King Sunday back in 2000. We called it Genesis and president's day in February, which one comes first, Martin Luther King, right? Yeah. yeah. MLK's so, in yeah. January. So president's <laughs> day, the Sunday and president's day, we decided to do a second one because it was so successful. Yeah. And we, and I wanted to call it Genesis to the sequel. My partner said, let's call it the second coming. So he called it, we called it the second coming again, not thinking anything. Right. The flyer comes back and looking at it now, it's people with police helmets on and guns and the demons flying around. I, I like that's not what I asked for. Right. So why would anybody put that on a flyer for a party? Right. So <laughs> it was it was so last minute. Yeah. I had to we went with it and God opened my like I didn't know. I didn't, couldn't even see what it was. I couldn't see that it was police helmets. I could just tell it was like something with like some ghosts or something. Right. And when I got baptized in the spirit, I saw it and it was, it said the second coming. I had another flyer that was happening that said, it said, prepare yourself on the flyer. And it's got people with guns and it's like demons. And I'm like, and it, so a lot, and God sent me a lot of signs basically to confirm yeah. that not only is Jesus who he said he was, he's coming back soon. And it scared the crap out of me. Like <laughs> I, that's why I just, I quit everything. I didn't strip another day. I quit promoting. I stopped having sex. I broke up with my girlfriend. I read the Bible a few times. I just was like, I need to figure out how to be a good Christian and prepare myself for, I think what he's trying to tell me is that he's coming back and maybe I play some role in this. Um, Like, you know, the end times, maybe I'm, you know, able to lead people to Jesus or something. So that's, that's exactly how it went down. And, and, um, you know, I've been walking with him ever since. Not perfectly, you know, certainly sure. not perfectly, but sure. he definitely changed my life. And I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, Jesus is who he said he was and he's coming back. I don't know. I, I can't say definitively if it's when I'm alive, but I would I would bet everything I own that it's going to be while I'm on this earth. Wow. And that, that is a radical change to go from what you were doing to like stopping everything and going in, in the a day direction. in yeah. one day. And, and I know people listening to this right now are like, okay, you heard this voice and this and that. And people might, you know, even scoff at that a little bit. But I know what you're saying because it, it's hard to explain. It's like, it's like trying to tell someone what salt tastes like, right? Yes. 
it's 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 hard to say it in words of the feeling and right and so it's a sense it's a, that's why i tell people yeah. it's a sixth sense that yeah. until it's activated you don't yeah. even know that you have it it's right. like never having heard something before and then somebody speaks to you and you're like what what is what is hearing yeah. you know like when yeah. god spoke to me there was no doubt that it was him i could have lied to myself and pretended it wasn't him because i was right. i would tempted to go back to my old life because it <laughs> my old life was easy it was fun yeah. And now when God called me, my life was not fun anymore. It was hard. You know, it was discipline, but I could not, I couldn't shake the fact that all of a sudden I knew that, you know, YOLO, <laughs> no, that right. ain't, there, there is no, no, this is just part of it. There is yeah. a God and what you do here matters into eternity. And you got some hard decisions to make, you know, some right. hard choices. And I, I was like, I took the red pill, you know, like I, yeah. you, there's no going back at that point. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for sharing. Very well said. You you mentioned though you had like a little bit of a backslide. Oh, big time. Was, was this this was obviously after that experience in Cancun? Yeah. Do you mind sharing a little bit Not about what happened there? Oh no, I'll, I'll share all the details. So, okay. So here I was six years. I'm going to I'm going to church on Sunday, but outside of Sunday, to be honest, I was I was bored and lonely. I was isolating. I could not find a group of people that I could relate to. I did not relate to religious people. I thought they were nice, but they were boring, and they were kind of you know they they were right. some of some of them were weird, and so I just. I started looking for a group. I was like, there's gotta be other people out there like me. Right. Because I'm not religious. I just know Jesus is who he said he was. So how do I live? So I started right. looking, I started going to Christian coffee houses and I went to different, like, you know, young adults groups and I could not find anything out there that remotely appealed to me. So eventually I just decided, okay, I'm going to just stay out of trouble. I'm going to keep my head down. I'm going to work hard. And if I don't sin long enough, surely God's going to give me a wife. And I just went to a lot of movies over the next like five years. And, and eventually I just got so pent up. This is actually how it would work. Every three months I would get really pent up with energy and I would go out to the bars downtown and I'd meet up with some of my old friends and I would drink too much or a girl would like right. hit on me. And then I would feel the sexual temptation. I'd be afraid I was going to mess up. So then I would stay in for another three months. And then that, this is what happened for like five years. So eventually I just got so over the whole thing. I was like, I got to do something else. So I like I started actually promoting again, which is sounds crazy as a Christian, but I prayed, I prayed a lot through it and God led me back into it. And I, I, within about three months, I took over the nightlife in Baltimore. The year was 2006. I was leading a Bible study at the time that I started promoting. I moved the Bible study to the nightclub. So here on Saturday night, I had the hottest club in the city, you right. know, 800, 800 people coming, no, you know, wow. notorious sinners. <laughs> and Thursday night, we're reading Purpose Driven Life. And, and we would go out and feed the homeless at Homeless Park afterward. And, I, and on Saturdays, I told my doorman, I said, if anybody comes to the, to the club from Bible study, let them in for free. Don't make them wait in line. Treat them like VIP. So all of a sudden, my Bible study blew up. It became like the popular thing to do to go to Rob's Bible study, right? So I had like 50 people coming to small group where strippers and drug dealers were coming to Bible study. It was awesome. And I was like, these are my people. This is great. And it was so edgy though. And I didn't have accountability and I had never experienced the pain of being distant from God. And I slept with a girl in my small group. She was really a club girl, but even right. still. And, and then I didn't tell anybody. And about a month later, I slept with a second girl. And then some people confronted me about it. Some of the Christians. Oh wow! And, and they were, they were not nice about it. And, you know, rightfully so. So once that happened, I stepped down from leadership and now here I was 
popular guy again, the, the main promoter in Baltimore, take, you know, running the nightlife, making a lot of money. And I already broke my six year streak and it just became a perfect storm. And I just spiraled, dude, over the course of like f the next four or five years. I just I slept with tons of women. I was doing, you know, drinking too much. Eventually I was doing drugs again until the end of 2011. My dad got diagnosed with cancer and that what really brought me to my knees through a series of events related to that. And then I rededicate it. And, um, you know, for the most part, 10, it's been 10 years. And I recommitted myself to sexual purity in 2012. I actually had two isolated uh, mistakes over the last 10 years. And that, and that honestly, that's, that's trying as hard as I can, but right. that, that, uh, 2000, what led to me backsliding in 2006 was really what fueled my passion to start my nonprofit, which is city fan, because I feel like, you know, people that are really trying to walk this narrow path, man, you got to give people things to do. If right. you don't give things, people community, uh, to support them, encourage them, inspire them, you know, and then somebody just, just to hang out with them on Friday and Saturday nights, they're not going to, they're not going to not sit in forever, you know, just right. because you tell them they're not going to sit in by themselves. I did it. And eventually, you know, even as determined as I was, I still went back to my bad behavior inadvertently because I just got so freaking bored. So city <laughs> fam attempts to solve that problem. Like we're like, Hey, look, let's, let's become the best version of ourselves, but let's enjoy life. You know, let, yeah. let let's not, um, sit around every weekend. Yeah. Wow. That's that. Thank you for sharing that. And thanks for being vulnerable because that, I think a lot of people do that. They, they make a commitment and then they make a mistake, you know, and that's kind of what you did. And, and hopefully we learn from it and we move on. And that's kind of what did. And luckily you had some people call you out, but you mentioned something that I want to touch base on. You said you made a commitment to sexual purity. What does that look like? How, is that just something you said out loud? Okay. I commit starting Moving forward, I'm going to be pure in this area. I mean, what was that? Yeah. What's that commitment like? I'd love to tell you that story actually because it's pretty <laughs> funny. I, originally, I I just I just obeyed God because he I knew there was a call of his I had a call of God on my life, and I thought that if I didn't sin, that He would give me a wife. <clears throat> Excuse me for a moment. You're good. But when I rededicated in 2011, I was dating an ex stripper. We had been together for about a year and a half. It was a terrible relationship. We were, it was a pretty good sex life, but we had broken up probably about a dozen times and we would break up and get back together the next week. This happened like 15 times. Wow. And at this point though, I rededicated me and her were having a pretty good run. I, I just, I was thinking maybe I am in love with this girl, but then God starts convicting me of the sex. Like literally I could feel the guilt. Right. And uh, I actually tried to ignore it. I tried to pretend like, you know, I'd rationalize it. Well, I'm just having sex with her. This is, this is okay. I think I might be in love with her anyway. You know, you know, how, you know how you justify sin. But one day me and her are at her house and we were like fooling around. We were making out. We we're about to have sex. And I went over and I said, I said, hold on a second. Let me put some music on. I go over, I grab the remote control, hit the power button. Gospel music comes on the radio. And I'm like, oh, crap, can't have sex to gospel music, right? I go over, grab the remote, go down one station. I promise you this is true. The very first lyrics on the next song said, temptation's going to get me every time. That was the first lyrics I heard. And wow. I knew it was God. And I was like, oh, man. So I went to my girlfriend. Actually, what I did first was I prayed. And I, I, went, I went home. I, I, talked, I said, listen, I'm going to try this your way again. I didn't know about any of the other stuff. So you talk about the book and the YouTube video and City Fam. I didn't know about anything. Right. All I knew is I had a hot girlfriend and God's telling me not to have sex with her. And I'm like, damn, 
All right, God. I said, look, I'm going to try this your way again. Right. I said, if I'm in love, convince me and I'll marry her. But if I'm not in love, convince me of that and help us break up because obviously we can't do it ourselves. I went to my girlfriend. I said, look, I'm not sure if we're built to last, but here's how we're going to find out. We're going to stop having sex. And if we both become convinced we're in love, we'll get married. But yeah. if we both become convinced we're not in love, let's stop wasting each other's time. Yeah. So we stopped. And I promise you, the crowds parted. And it was like we could both see clear. And we were not in love. And we broke up three weeks later. And then she got pregnant about a month after that. And now she lives in Florida with her baby. God just took her. He just removed her. And I was like, exactly what I asked for. He honored my prayer. And he took her out, you know, because there was no option for me to get back with her. Once she got pregnant, right, she was dating right. somebody else. And, uh, you know, after that, I just... I started meeting with my pastor's wife. She's a life coach. And she, she asked me some questions about, you know, who I wanted to be and what kind of impact I wanted to make and really just what I wanted to do with my life. She took those answers. She put it into the form of a vision statement. She read it to me the second time that we met together. She said, close your eyes. She read it. And I, I looked at her after and I said, if, if I could have that life, I'll do anything. I'll change anything. Yeah. And she said, I said, even if there's even a chance of me having it, I'll change anything. And she said, you can have it. You just got to work. And I made a very conscious decision. I said, I'm not going to trade what I want most, which is all these things for what I want right now anymore. And that's what I used to do my whole life. I always traded right. what I wanted most for what I want right now. Wow. And I just, I just started using all that energy and I just started working on myself. I got on leadership in my church and started volunteering, did five international relief trips. And just, I just was like, I want, I just became like consumed or like crazy almost about becoming the best version of myself reading books like you know read more books than i've ever read in my life over the last 10 years and, and i look back on it and it's awesome you know like my mom's very proud of me you know i became this just such a much better version of, uh, of myself and a better human being um right. but it all started with that one decision and that's what i really try to impress upon people is like look no sin has the potential to to destroy your life like sexual sin does that's the Bible puts sexual sin in a category all by itself. It says all other sins a person commits outside the body, but a person that sins sexually sins against their own body. There's a reason why it classifies it, you know, by itself because it is so destructive. It will steal you not only your purpose, but your person from you. You won't meet your soulmate more than likely. There's a reason that the divorce rate's 50%. I tell people, yeah. you know, 97% of people do not wait to have sex until marriage, and the divorce rate's 50 freaking percent. So mm. if that's not enough to tell you that this does right. not work, I mean, right. yeah, a, a, a person that marries as a virgin only has a 6% divorce rate. 94% of the time they stay together, you know? So like there's a way to do this, you know, and it's yeah. a hard way, but isn't the hard way almost always the right way. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, and I think that is so true. Like typically the, the right way, the, the, the best way is the hardest way, but it's also the most rewarding. 100%. Right. Think about any time you've worked hard at something, the reward was always so much more amazing at that point, right? Absolutely. I put in my book. There's something, you know, the marshmallow test. Did you ever hear about that? Oh yeah, test? yeah. You know, it's so funny, Rob. This is no lie. Two days ago, I'm reading about the marshmallow test. I'm not kidding you. It's like true. A, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Yeah, it's, it's powerful. Like yeah, for those of you that don't know, it's basically they took these kids in this classroom and the teacher put a little marshmallow in front of them and said, and said look, I'm going to leave the room. If you can wait till I get back, you can have two marshmallows. And they, the teacher left. Most of the kids ate the marshmallow, but there was a few that didn't. And they followed those kids around, all the kids. And yep. the ones that were able to delay gratification were more successful than the other kids across the board and how yep. much money they made and their health, you know, their careers or family, everything they, they did better at. 
So there's a principle there and delayed gratification. There's just no way you can get around it as much as we want to. It's unescapable. Wow. And I just had this thought come into my mind as you're saying this. Um, and, and listeners, you know, bear with me here. <laughs> if, if, you, if you have instant gratification, you'll end up destroying your life. If you have delayed gratification, you end up saving your life almost. Right. 100%. I mean, that's what yeah. I love that. And it, it that, says, that mirrors your story perfectly. <laughs> it does. It right? does. It says, if, it says good, good, good habits are, are hard to make, but easy to live with. Bad habits are easy to make, but hard to live with. <laughs> right. You know, that is so true. Hey, and it you is. mentioned, I've got this book right here in my office, Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. Great and you, you gave a little reference to it. Um, I want you to know just, I mean, I've read this three, I'm going on my third time. Um, it's the best selling book in nonfiction history. Yeah. And there, there's a reason for it, but it's about purpose and connecting with God. And uh, I know that's the way you live your life. And you're doing so many things. You're an author, podcaster, speaker, coach. You do this thing called City Fam, where you bring the, the community together and do positive, beautiful things in your community. And I mean, you're a busy man now, but you're busy in doing good things. What, how has that played an impact on just keeping, you know, where, you're, where you should be and in the eyes of God? Yeah, I love that. Uh, I actually was on a a call before this with some kids in Romania and they're like, what do you do when you get attempted sexually? And I'm like, well, number one, you resist, right? <laughs> because you, right. Yeah, it's a muscle and it'll build up over time. You know, you'll get stronger, but I stay really busy because idle hands, you know, like I think about King David, even in the Bible and yeah. you know, he was supposed to, it says, this is the time that Kings went off the war, but David stayed at home. And that's when he got into trouble with Bathsheba. And so like, you got to stay busy, man. Like, and I think that, you know, sex, tra sex transmutation is a real thing. It's a great principle I talk about in, in my book, but it was also, so, it was something that I learned about from uh, Think and Grow Rich, where sexual energy can be harnessed and rechanneled re to, you know, be used for other purposes. So I've used my sexual energy over the last 10 years to do some incredible things and uh, things that I'm very excited about. But, you know, I am looking forward to being married and, and her being the icing on the cake, this beautiful right. cake that God has given me. Sure. Know, we'll probably travel around and we'll maybe write another book. And that really, I hope, I want to help men understand this specifically because the natural order, the original design was always for a man to get his purpose before his person. Okay. Adam and Eve were not created at the same time. Adam was created first and then God gave him a job. He said, name the animals. And then Eve came along. What happens too often is we don't like to wait because we're impatient and we're horny or whatever. And we, we find the person and we're not committed to waiting. So we end up choosing the wrong person. And then we never figure out what our purpose is because we didn't harness the sexual energy long enough to let it do its thing. Right. You know, so what I'm telling you guys, if you're single, first off, stop jerking off or, or whatever you're, you know, stop having sex, harness that sexual energy and ask God to tell you what you're here for. When you feel like you might know what it is, start working toward it. That's what I did. I sensed it was something over in this area to do with social events or, and I just started working toward it. And then it started becoming bigger and clearer. And I was like, wow, this is cool. This is awesome. And now when I meet my person, I'm going to have my purpose. And then my person, I'm going to be able to choose my person with a clear head without, you know, any right, you know, clouded judgment because of the sex, I'm going to be able to choose her say my best. Yes. And she's going to come alongside me and be this incredible helpmate to this thing that God's given me. So that's what I hope. If you really want to have an amazing, fulfilling life, leave a large impact. This this one decision will impact every other 
area of your life in a way that yeah. you can't even imagine when you do it. I could never imagine how many other pieces of my life it touched at the outset, but it does. So Wow. I love that. Um, I think that again, very well said. And I think it reminds me of a quote by James Allen, where he says, self-control is the door of heaven. It leads to light and peace without it. We're already in hell. Mm. And, um, that's exactly what you think of your life and your story that you've shared so beautifully with us. When you, when you had no self-control, you were in hell, you said you were empty and you were doing all these things. You felt horrible. Mm. And then now that you've, you're putting things in control, like you just mentioned that you, you're now feel more fulfilled. You're happier. You have the spirit with you. You're, I mean, just looking at you right now, Rob, honestly, you've got this like glow. You're like, you're this powerful force for good. And it's just beautiful to, to sit here and witness this personally right now. And, and I know our listeners can hear it through your voice. I appreciate that. I got this ring light that's lighting me up. So that, that helps. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we'll give but, the ring light a little credit. <laughs> no, but um, you know, one thing I, I, I am very fulfilled, you know, when I was, when I was in the world, man, I tell you the worst time of day for me was waking up. Because I woke up to the reality, and you probably know this too, is when you wake up in the morning and you're like, you know, shit, uh, you don't like the reality that you've created for yourself. Yeah. Or you look at yourself in the mirror and you have these negative thoughts about yourself. Or you, and then you think other people have negative thoughts about you too. You're like, they probably yeah. think, you know, that's what it's like. And now I don't feel that way. I, I look at myself. I'm proud of myself, man. I look at myself. I have my head on. Now I have to say that I'm not always happy. You know, like sometimes I look at happiness and fulfillment. They're not the same thing. I'm right. very fulfilled. Does that mean, you know, the word says no discipline seems pleasant at the time. Later on, however, it yields a harvest of righteousness and peace. So sometimes God's going to take you through these seasons where he disciplines you and yeah. you might not be happy. It might yeah. hurt. It might be painful, yeah. but there is going to be, it is going to produce something and you just got to let it do its thing and then get to the other end of it. And now, you know, like, we talked about, I think before we started recording, I've got so many great things happening in my life. Like I, I get excited, man. Like to get into the office, yeah. I'm like so excited to get here to work on everything. Like sometimes I go to the bathroom and I'd like want to run back to my desk because I just can't wait to get back to it. Yeah, and you know, it. that that's what it's like when you're, you know, letting the spirit guide you because yep. he knows what's going to fulfill you better than anybody. You know, God knows, wow. he knows what he knows you at your deepest level. And if you let him steer the ship, it might be hard. Sometimes you might be unhappy you know, points where you're like, man, I really sure. like to have a girl over. It's a Friday night. You know, like I've been in that situation a million times where I'm like, I'm lonely, God, you know, like, yeah. but then I get, I go to sleep and I get to the next day and I'm like, all right, good. I'm good again. You know, and you just hit the reset button. So yeah. you gotta, Beautiful. you won't necessarily be happy all the time. I mean, I was, I was happy when I was high, you know, like or when I was right girls hanging off me, but then I would wake up in the morning and not be happy. So for sure. Well, um, thank you. And if, if there's someone listening to you right now, Rob, who is in kind of that darkness and struggling and just not sure what to do, what advice could you give me? I mean, you just gave some great advice, but if there's one person right now that's hearing you going, man, I'm stuck, Rob, what should I do? What would you tell them? Man, that's good. I mean, I, I think the first thing is I would, I would want them to know what God says about them because it, that is the non-negotiable, right? Like you, you can't, it doesn't matter how you feel, what you think about yourself doesn't matter. It only matters what God says about you. Right. When I first became a Christian, I remember thinking, what in the hell does God want with me? I'm the least religious person I know. I, I thought I had nothing to add, like no benefit that I could bring to the kingdom. 
And I only did it because I figured, well, he must see something that I don't see, you know? Right. And, my, and I just was like, I'm just going to walk forward and trust that there's something there. Right. But, you know, like I would tell them, get into agreement with what God says about you. If you don't know what that is, get in, find a good faith community. And, and the most practical mm-hmm. way to find one that you love is don't go to the first church, you know, that you attend on a Sunday, go date churches, date, date a different church every Sunday, go to a different one. And then eventually you're going to find one that you love. You're like, man, this is my home. Right. And when you find one that you love, go up and ask them about their small groups and then say, and then do the exact same thing. Date a different small group every Sunday till you find one that you love, get involved with that small group and then get on leadership at that church. Do something. Right. You got to be like a greeter or a parking lot attendant or get in the kids ministry or something. Right. Because that's what I did when I rededicated. Somebody said, you want to be a greeter? We need some greeters. And I was like, you sure you want me to greet? And I was like, Cause I was, <laughs> I'm still drinking in the clubs. And I'm like, right. uh, if somebody walks yeah. in, this might, this might reflect badly on you. <laughs> right. So I, I but it, what it did, it sped up the, it sped up the change. Cause I hear I was like, I gave me a reason not to go out on Saturday night because I didn't want to be hungover. And then also I like the feeling of playing for the good guys. You know, right. like when you're, I'm sitting there saying hi to people walking to church and I'm like, man, I started thinking maybe I am a good guy. You know, like yeah. I didn't even even thought of myself as being a good guy. It's yeah. almost like your lemonade story, you know, yeah. when we, and then all of a, it just changes you and you're like, wow. Okay. So yeah, be a service. Wow. That's love that man. That's powerful, beautiful advice. You know, if people want to reach out to you, Rob, and, you know, find your podcast, find your books, find your, you know, what you're doing next and want to get involved with what you're doing, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, you could do that on my website, robbykowalski.com. Um, that's also my YouTube, Facebook, and um, Instagram usernames. Um, I would direct people. There's two places that if either of the, well, number one, if the waiting thing, if you're on the refrain train, as I like to say, if you're actually <laughs> trying to wait, waiting till marriage or trying to wait till marriage, I have a Facebook community called the waiting works community. Mm. Uh, you can just look it up on Facebook or you actually can go to the URL reallovewaits.com and we'll take you there. Um, and then city fam is really my heart as it's not a singles group, but when you're single, you really need community more than uh, a couple does. Cause right. you're, you know, you could literally be alone every weekend if you don't have it. But, um, <laughs> I would, I would send them to cityfam.com or, or also this, the city fam Facebook group is, uh, is a great way to connect with us and just meet like-minded people from really all over the world. We have people that are doing right. life together you know, as, as, as our, one of our taglines is doing life together, um, from all over. And it's, it's wow. just, it's a cool group of people that are like, they know how to have fun. You know, yeah. like we like to laugh where we don't take ourselves <laughs> too serious. Yeah. Um, we are all about fun without regret. That's what we say. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's a good group. No, that's awesome, man. You're doing a lot. That's just, I'm really impressed Rob with the way you live your life. Uh, you inspire me. I've obviously was on your podcast a while ago. I've done nothing but research you since then. And I'm just blown away from where it reminds me of the, you know, the old saying, the greater the sinner, the greater the saint, right? The, the greater the darkness, the greater the light. And that's that's your life, my friend. And, and you give hope to anyone listening to this who's struggling, who is in that darkness. I promise you, if you stick it out and listen to Rob's advice and do those things, you will bask into the light eventually. And But yeah, dude, you're amazing, man. Man, I, Jesus, dude. Honestly, when you even said that in the intro, I'm like, I, it's Jesus, Seriously, it's not me. I'd be, a, I'd be a, to still be that scumbag in the club if it wasn't for him. I know it. Yeah. I love the lifestyle. 
Sure. If he did not call me. I would still, I'd be the old guy trying to hit on girls in the club right now. I would be <laughs> I'm glad and you're I, not. That. I, I'd be a disgrace to my family. I probably would have gotten arrested a bunch of times and just, sure. I, you know, I, I would have been like a source of like sadness for my mom, I'm sure. And yeah. he changed my life. And, and it's like, I think it was, I don't know who the one that was praying that he says those forgiven much love much. And I was forgiven a lot. And I just want to, yeah. I want to, you know, give, give back as much as I can and make sure. And I also work with a sense of urgency because I honestly believe Todd that Jesus is coming back, you know, somewhat soon. I can't say, you know, 10 years, 20 years, I don't know when, but uh, I just don't, I want as many people as possible to not miss them because whatever's after this, it's going to be so freaking amazing. Yeah. Like, man, when I think about when it says the weeping and gnashing of teeth, I think that's going to be like the gnashing of teeth is like intense regret. Like, Oh, I missed it. Yeah, I mean, that sucks. I don't want anybody to miss it. I, I always wanted everybody to be at my parties. You know, when I promote it, I want to be partying with everybody. <laughs> like, so I want to get to heaven and see everybody I know and love, you know, and yeah. it's, it's going to be awesome. A much different type of party, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy no, not second, today. Yeah. And uh, just know that, uh, you, you know, you inspire me and I know people listening to this and when we share this, people are going to just be blown away. So thank you, Rob, for being you and, and to, you know, best of luck and, you know, thoughts and prayers to all the great success that you're going to have moving forward. Appreciate you having me on Todd. Thank you. Okay. Well, there you go, folks. I told you another amazing guest. Please reach out to Rob. He, you know, I'll put all the, of his contact information. When I post this, you'll have it. Uh, please reach out to him, ask him a question. He's an open book. Obviously this guy just shared everything <laughs> and, uh, but reach out to him and give him, uh, you know, ask him a question or if you're struggling, please, uh, tell him and he'll reach out to you and he'll help you out. I love you guys. And, uh, Rob, I love you too, man. Keep up the great work and, uh, hope to, to talk to you soon. I love you, Todd. Thank you, bro. T take care, brother.